Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciate your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Windham, Maine, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Terry, how are you, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? I am excellent, and I can be found at Cushman MLB. Quick check of the standings real quick. Red Sox still in last place despite the sweep. They're no longer... Five games back of the third wild card. They are now just two. Yankees absolutely sputtering. We will be getting into it. But just an idea of how bad their June has been in batting average. They are 30th in MLB, 194 batting average. On base percentage, they are 30th in MLB. Their on base percentage is 250. Ouch. OPS, they are 30th in MLB at 632. And uh, if you're a casual fan, there's only 30 teams. So 30th is dead last. And finally, they are 29th in MLB uh, in terms of strikeouts. I, again, forgot to check. I think it's the Washington Nationals are the only team that has struck out more. Uh, But terrible June and... Perhaps they might be uh, at the bottom of the basement and sellers. It, it hurts not to have Aaron Judge for them, but I don't think those uh, stats would be a whole lot better with him. They need a lot more than just him. So knowing Cashman, though, he'll probably acquire a few more 35-year-olds at the deadline, and uh, you know the theme will continue. Very possible. Our other host tonight... Uh, Naturally, uh, we're going to introduce him, and he is as hot as the Boston Red Sox. I'll let him share in a second. Cody, how are you, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Well, it is warm down here in Houston. Uh, we had some record highs. The the feels like we're in the triple digits, 110, 112 at some point. So, you know, very grateful to have power, electricity, and, and air conditioning. Um, fans can find me on Twitter at Paulson. Uh, we got a lot to talk about with this series, kind of a funky one, a lot of, uh, quirks, you know, not necessarily new rules, but rules you don't see very often. So it should be a fun one to, to break down. How are you doing tonight, Charlie? Uh, I'm doing very well, not as hot, uh, as you are down in, in, in Texas. I was looking at the weather down there, a whopping feels like 118 this week, which is just stupid. That's just dumb heat insane but super happy um getting to spend father's day with my dad getting to watch not one but two red sox games so i mean as a red sox fan it's awesome to win on father's day as a dad uh not myself but for my dad winning twice is awesome i feel bad for yankees fans they had to lose not once but twice on father's day so that's like a double suck but you know they're uh, they're doing better than we are in the standings as terry mentioned we're still in last but uh on to the up and up as Always, we will begin our studs and duds after absolutely romping the Yankees 25 to 8 in three games. Scores of 15 to 5, 6 to 2, and 4 to 1. Ouch. Uh, Terry, why don't you hit us off with your stud for this series? 
There was a lot to pick from, and uh, the player I'm going with probably wouldn't make the top three if we wanted to, you know, go strictly by the stats. But I really liked what we saw from Jaron Duran. Uh, he was only, I didn't do the math, two for six on the series and um, only had a pinch hit appearance uh, in game one. But he did score a run that game and he scored a run today. What I love most about uh, his performance offensively was he did draw two walks. And that's what I've been talking about with Jaron Duran. That's what's going to officially anoint him as a bona fide major leaguer. Now, he hasn't been off the charts the last few weeks. His numbers have kind of slipped offensively. That's just how insane that first month was for him. But he's he's still very scrappy at the plate. His at-bats are still good. He's not a strikeout machine. And today in center field, saved two runs with a catch out at the triangle. And... Watching it live, I thought it went into the bullpen. The way he bounced off the wall, I'm like, oh, crap, we're, we're down again. And um, so it just it was a nice catch, and he's really helping the team win. And um, with Duvall back, it's, it's tough to get him playing time because you certainly can't take the, the bat away from Verdugo or Yoshida. And uh, Duvall didn't have a bad series. He was three for eight, drove in a run. So it's just we we do have uh, kind of a surplus of of bats we can put in the lineup. But loved what I saw from Jaron Duran. Cody. It's just so wonderful to see his athleticism be on full display, right? You know, when he when he came up last year, we saw it in spurts. You know, you would hit doubles, you'd hit opposite field home runs, and that speed was something we hadn't really seen since Ellsbury. Uh, but then his confidence got a little bit shaken. He was, you know, doing the the back and forth between, uh, you know, AAA and the majors, and he never really seemed to find his footing. And as Terry mentioned, you know, he came to the majors this year, got that hot start, and just kind of seems like you can see his shoulders relax when he's playing now, you know. Um, it seemed like last year when you make hard contact, it seemed to find somebody. Now he's making soft cap contact and it's finding you know, you know, grass or, or dirt and, and he's being able to get on base. And that catch that he made in the outfield was was awesome. And um, I believe it was in the first inning as well. You know, he made a smart decision, right? I think the Duran of last year would have tried to lay out for that for that dive, try to make the play and let that ball roll by him. But he pulled up knocked it with his body and, and kept the ball, you know, relatively in front of us. We'll say, you know, Verdugo had to, to reroute to get it, but it kept the runners at, at second and third versus, you know, a potential inside the park home run. But he's just been a revelation this year. He's playing much more free. Um, his speed on the on the base pass is, you know, something that the, the opposing pitcher has to think about now. And that's not usually something that you have to put into your brain when you're playing the Red Sox, you know, where a uh, – a long ball, bash your brains in kind of organization in years past. And so, you know, to to see the fruits of um, that labor come to fruition is is just wonderful. I mean, if, if I could sum it up, I mean, that one play in center field, you feel bad a little bit for Anthony Rizzo, but not really because he's a Yankee. But that one play, as Terry mentioned, saved at least a run. Uh, that is a home run in 18 ballparks in deep center field. It's 430 feet, um, I believe, is is the sign in, in deep center field out there. Uh, and that's a home run in 18 parks. And the fact that he was able to 
be cool, calm, collected, make the catch, know exactly where the wall is, not smash into the wall, but make that catch, kind of roll off of the the uh, the wall, hold on to the ball, fist pump, like, yes, let's go. I mean, if, if there was a moment that defined the series, it was that one right there. I don't think the Yankees had a chance after that catch. I literally thought that was a deflating moment. And to me, as soon as that happened, I said, we won. I mean, before before this 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 game started, I, I made a prediction, which I'm going to talk about later. But um, that was just an incredible three game set, and it wasn't it wasn't anything scary. Like the Yankees didn't put a quality team together for for that third game, but the Red Sox didn't blow anyone away either. I mean, some of our big guns weren't there either. We had we had Bayo pitching in Game Three, thank God, but nothing nothing crazy. Um, anything you want to add, Terry? That was your stud. Uh, not a, not a lot to add. I just hope they find ways to, to get him in there. Absolutely. Cody, who was your stud for the series? My stud for this series is somebody that I think that has made his jump from the dud list in, in shows past to the stud list. And that's Josh Gwinkowski. Uh, we had, you know, long talked about how he was kind of the Swiss army knife of the bullpen, Corica deployment, you know, sticky situations. Eight inning of Martin was down when he was injured. Um, you know, you get in a jam, you can throw this guy out there and he had, you know, a, a revelation to the, to the beginning of the season. Right. Um, you know, he still had very good statistics, but he was kind of scuffling for the last month or so. I believe he was on the injured list and then came back and he just hasn't been quite as sharp. Uh, but I wanted to throw some praise on his name. He came into a big spot in a tight game um, and kind of held it down. You know, today, one inning, um, you know, no no real uh, damage. I think there was one hit by pitch with Rizzo, but that's a separate story. That guy's on top of the plate. Um, and then a strikeout. Uh, but he's starting to look a little bit more confident, a little bit more automatic, kind of back to the, the Winkowski of old. Um, he was moving through the lineup, you know, albeit not – the Yankees, uh, as we know them, you know, whatever version of them came to Fenway Park this this week. But um, he's starting to look better, and I just wanted to to give praise where praise was due. It's good to see him, um, you know, up again because he does add, I think, a tremendous amount of length and depth and options to our bullpen. Terry, before you uh, weigh in on uh, Cody's stud, Anthony Rizzo is eighth all-time in hit-by-pitches. 210 that was a statistic that they showed because as as cody talked about he hugs the ditch and he it it, kind of went right off of the left knee because he was swinging the left knee went down and the pitch went right into it immediately saw his face kind of grimace like ah i got nailed and there's a really really good chance that he ends up finding himself into the top three because i think he's probably going to find himself probably get hit another five to ten times this year another five to ten times the next four or five years too and he'll be right behind Biggio for who's second with 285. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Terry, go ahead. Well, I remember Victorino and Euclid were notorious for for getting hit as far as the Red Sox go. But as far as Winkowski goes, I, I guess baby steps. Uh, I I'm he's still not very high on my trust tree in, in this Yankees team for many of the reasons I gave in the intro. Um, not a lot to be afraid of there. Jansen is starting to look more and more solid again after kind of a wonky few weeks. Uh, Chris Martin has been your most consistent guy all year long. And if Winkowski doesn't get back into a pattern of consistency, your seventh inning guy is Brennan Bernardino, I think. I mean, he's your next most consistent guy. So 
Uh, the bullpen hasn't been super great. I uh, I haven't really seen any updates on John Schreiber. He's out with a lat uh, strain. Typically, that, that can keep a player out for up to two months, and I think he's missed about a month. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll start to get some reports that he's getting close to a rehab assignment. But um, Winkowski was phenomenal the first six weeks of the season, and quite frankly, a revelation. I mean, he was a guy I, I thought could potentially be a DFA candidate over the winter if they were searching for upgrades he just didn't look that great last year. And there wasn't really a lot to suggest that he was going to be, you know, a, a seventh inning level reliever. So uh, hopefully that trend continues. Uh, we're going to get into the Minnesota preview and that's not a great offense. So um, that that'll be a, a good opportunity for him to, to keep taking steps forward. Wink had a really good month of May. Outside of that one blip in the middle of the year against uh, the St. Louis Cardinals where everyone it just felt like everyone had a bad series, uh, he's been very, very consistent. A couple of games, he's given up just uh, you know a run and inning and a third, two innings of work. But in games that he's pitching, I wouldn't say he's coming in in crazy high leverage games. He's only blown a couple of games, I think, all season long. And in relation, you're like, oh, okay, well, I mean, you don't really want that. Kelly Jensen's blown more games than he has. So Winkowski's actually been a little bit more consistent, which is wild. ZRA now drops to, what, 2.3 or 2.4? 2.38. So he's been very, very consistent. He's doing his job. He's becoming a very trusted reliever in a spot just like Martin, where you could have Winkowski or Martin in the eighth inning. And at this point, I feel comfortable with either one. I feel comfortable with Martin coming in the eighth or the seventh, Winkowski seventh or eighth, Jansen in the ninth. I'm good. So if you can get six, six-ish innings out of your starter, you really have at least one or two games out of those five locked up. Um, so, in, I mean, incredible. I, I strongly support that, Cody. Good pick. Uh, anything else you want to add as that was your stud? No. Uh, Terry, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I'm good. Cool. Um, I said for the series uh, was Justin Turner, who looked like a man on a damn mission. Five for 14 in the series, single-handedly. It was, it was Justin Turner and friends in game one. Uh, had a double, two home runs, including a grand slam, six RBIs, two runs scored. Uh, the second game had another single double RBI. And overall, five for 14, two homers, seven ribbies, three runs scored, a couple of strikeouts as well. Um, people are going to look at it and say, wow, is he back? Is he, you know... Is, is this the real Justin Turner? This is the, the type of, you know, talent that we expected to get from, from Turner. This is someone who has the capability. Honestly, if you get, you know, at the end of the year, if you get someone who's hitting 270 to 280 with 15 homers and 75 RBIs, you, you did really well with Justin Turner and he's already there. He's got 10 homers so far. He's halfway there on the RBI marker. His batting average is right where I want it to be. Uh, the grand slam, albeit, only was a grand slam because the batter right before Turner should have been out to end the inning. That was a rookie pitcher for the New York Yankees. I do not remember his name. Uh, I have to look it up. Um, uh, Crook, first appearance in the majors. Honestly, I'd be shocked if we see him ever again. Um, he just did not have the wherewithal, like the, like the sense to just go cover first base. Had he got, gone to do that, the inning would have been over. Turner would have come up the next inning with nobody on base and instead has the bases full and he just 
takes one to deep center field. It was, I mean, the game was over for anybody that was watching it. That was just, it, it was done. And, um, I, Justin Turner really couldn't have done anything wrong in the next two games for, for me to say, or anybody to say that he's not with it. Turner's been really, really consistent now for a couple of series. He was really good against the Yankees uh, like a week ago. Colorado did really well. Again, you're starting to see him put together multiple two, three hit games in a row and you're seeing his batting average also climb. So the home runs are coming. The RBIs are coming. He's scoring runs at will. He's, really doing a great job of setting the table for his team. And I, I think it's it's a drastic change from what we saw at the beginning of the month and kind of like tail end of, of, uh, of May. So super, super happy to see Turner uh, do what he's doing. Uh, Cody, anything you want to add? I can't remember the last time I've seen a ball hit to that part of Fenway uh, on t- Turner's Grand Slam. That thing was high up the light post if – if my TV was correct, maybe, you know, I got duped by the camera angle, but he mashed that ball. Um, Charlie made a lot of great points and eloquently put, but I think the the biggest thing for me in that takeaway or the takeaway from that game was we finally got that big hit in a big situation, right? At that point in time, it's four to one bases are juiced. We got that extra life. These are the moments that we need to come through. These are the moments that we need to have those extra base hits, you, you know, put more crooked numbers up on the board because, Three to one or a three run uh, lead up four to one isn't necessarily safe, but to put the nail in the coffin that early in the game, set the tone, opening game of the series. Yes, it was big because it was a grand slam, um, but I think it was also monumental in in other aspects and just what it meant for the team. Absolutely. Terry, anything you want to? He's had an impressive month, uh, you know, hitting 339 with a 379 on base. Uh, you, when you look down the Red Sox, the next best hitter is Masataki Yoshida at, you know, 231 with a 349 on base. So uh, it's a large gap between him being your best player this month and, and the next best player. And the other interesting thing, too, is you look at Kike's struggles, you know, and he his offense seems to, you know, seems to take a hit when he's a, a shortstop. But when he's playing second and then out in the field, he's just he hits so much better. And, and you've got Turner, who's played the bulk of his career at third base used almost exclusively uh, as a designated hitter this year for the Red Sox, but in the last couple of weeks, getting a lot of reps at first, he's just mashing. It doesn't matter what you're doing with him, uh, you know, defensively. He's just not phased by anything, and he had that grotesque-looking ball to the face in spring training, no, no blips at all. The dude is just killing it at 38 years old. And um, last week we did an episode, uh, the, the midweek guys, Jason, uh, Micah, and myself on who the three biggest trade chips are uh, for the Red Sox going to the deadline if they're going to be sellers. And they were two games under 500 at the at the point we recorded that show. And none of us really listed Justin Turner. Obviously, he was going to be valuable no matter what. But, man, 
uh, you should be able to net at least one decent prospect, uh, you know, if he in fact does get dealt uh, at some point in late July. But dude's going off, and the fan base just gets so amped up, you know, when he does so good. It's just he's he's a very likable player, and uh, certainly not a guy I ever envisioned in Boston. You know, he came up with the Mets, spent the bulk of his career with the Dodgers, a perennial championship contender, uh, was a big part of that World Series team in 2020, if you want to count it as a World Series, and just really, really embracing the uh, the Boston fan base. My uh, So I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to my girlfriend's dad here. So he is a Dodgers fan and a baseball coach. And was saying uh, how lucky we were to have Justin Turner. And I said, I've, I've never hated Justin Turner. I think the worst thing that Justin Turner has ever done in his career is go celebrate with his team in 2020 when he tested positive for COVID. That was literally the worst thing. The guy is impossible to dislike. You can't hate that guy. Um, and he's a professional hitter. He can hit it anywhere. I mean, some people have asked. I, I've kind of seen the, the rumblings on Twitter of what, what's up with the stripe that he's got on his back, you know, what is that black stuff? It's, it's literally tar from his back because he swing, he swings so hard. It's, it's absolutely insane. And that was really the only blip today that he had was uh, just the little tap of the catcher. Uh, and that ball um, came into second base and Duran was safe, but he had to go back to first base and Duran was like, that's fine. Hold my beer. I'll just do it again. But uh, Turner is just, if he can continue to do this, it wouldn't surprise me to see Justin Turner maybe with, between 17 and 20 home runs, and again, 70 to 80 RBIs. I mean, what more could you ask for? And truthfully, if Justin Turner leaves, yeah, we're, we're going to be in all-sell mode because if you get rid of somebody like Justin Turner, yeah, you're, you're not going to be playing for, for real. Like, that's just the case. Who would you, who'd you, who'd you put in his space? Like, who would you have filling that hole? We don't have anybody. So um, I'm really hoping Adam Duvall can go back to – April April Duvall because we haven't really seen the uh, Duvall of old, but that that's that. Couple honorable mentions: uh, Tanner Houck, um, four innings, four hits, one run, two strikeouts, a walk. Had a scary moment. If anybody didn't see it, Tanner Houck took a uh, he took a ball to the face, and you can actually hear it smash his face, and it's just it's awful. We we pray for his quick recovery. Um, and it sucks because only going four innings, he would have definitely gotten the win. Um, but unfortunately did not pitch five innings. Uh, Brian Bayo, I don't know what we, we can say poor about this man, seven innings for the second time in a row. Cody was talking about last week, only had three strikeouts against the Yankees. Well, he put the team on his back. I said before the game started, I think Bayo's going to go seven and a third, 105 pitches, two runs, six hits, two walks eight strikeouts and he ended up doing uh, seven innings, one run on four hits, three walks, eight strikeouts in 102 pitches. The guy was just absolutely electric. He loves the big stage, had a lot of support behind him, but he's loving every minute of it. Yoshida also doing some major work five for eight in the series, including a four for four game one, three singles, a pair of doubles, three RBIs, and then Pavetta three perfect innings, four strikeouts. Um, any other honorable mentions you guys want to add? Because I felt like this whole team went off. I just like to uh, Cody. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Cody. Sorry, oh, sorry. Um, 
I'm just going to amend uh, the Turner Grand Slam came when they were up 6-1, to one, not 4-1. to one. That's uh, my mistake there, my misremembering. Uh, but I also wanted to throw some love towards uh, Tristan Cassis. Um, I thought he did pretty well at first base today. Yeah, he had a, a blunder trying to go to second to get um, an extra out instead of tagging the bag. But he made a couple of nice picks, and then he got, you know, kind of the, the breathing room hit there, uh, the, the double down to the right field line. So the honorable mention for me uh, for this series was Tristan Cassis. Absolutely. I mean, there's no way you can put him on the dud list after that smash. And you, you thought maybe, just maybe it, it'll stay in uh, or just barely leave the park. But that's like what? I forget how tall that wall is in, in right field. Four feet? Like something stupid low. It is ridiculous it's, it's as well. Yeah. yeah. A lot of yeah. a lot of ground rule doubles if uh if, for sure. If it takes the right bounce. But just to expand Absolutely. on Brian Bayo, tonight probably was the best start of his career. You know, he's gone seven innings a couple of times. He's gotten seven strikeouts a few times, but tonight, eight strikeouts. That is the most of his career. And you know, the jury was out on what his ceiling was as a as a professional player. And I think a lot of people wanted to stop short of saying that he would be the bona fide ace of a staff. And but I really think that's where he's trending. And this isn't an organization that really goes out and gets that ace pitcher. I, I know Dombrowski did it with David Price, and I think you. I don't think we've ever had a a David Price level signing before that. I mean, Pedro was traded for, Schilling was traded for. They got uh, Pedro. Well, actually, I don't even think Pedro got an extension. But um, we just don't go after those types of players in the last couple decades. And we finally developed one, uh, basically the first one since since John Lester. And I guess it's still possible that Tanner Houck could develop into a, a top-of-the-rotation guy. I'm, I'm a little skeptical. He's had a couple of good starts, but he always dominates the Yankees. If you look at his career numbers, Tanner Houck, very good numbers against the Yankees. And it's hard not to have good numbers against the Yankees uh, with the type of staff they have right now. Um, so hopefully that that continues because his rotation spot was in question, uh, at least briefly, um, you know, late last month. And um, yeah, I think that's it. And then Yoshida, I think you mentioned it, Charlie, five for eight, drove in three that first game, but, uh, you know, continues to crush it. You know, really hard. This was a really uh, hard series to have a dud because, I mean, everybody did something nice. I mean, even if you had a, a poor game, you were making some really nice defensive plays or you did something pretty special in the series. And it's, it's always going to be a little bit more special when you face off against the Yankees. That's just a statement of fact. Period. Uh, moving on into our duds. Terry, who did you have for your dud in this series? I'm going with Caleb Ort. Uh, and it's it's not necessarily that he was bad. He did give up two runs to Glaber Torres. Uh, you know, a high, you know, fly ball home run it just clipped it clipped the shelf of the uh, monster and then bounced up into the um you know that top row of seats but 
Um, th- those were the two runs he gave up. But the thing that concerns me is the fact we had to go to Caleb Ort today. If Caleb Ort's your starter, you don't trust Corey Kluber. You don't trust Nick Pavetta. You don't trust Chris Murphy. Uh, all of those guys came into relief today. Um, well, it was, uh, I'm sorry, it was Hauk. Uh, no, excuse me, Hauk. Ah, I'm getting lit up right now. It was Ort, Murphy, and Pavetta were your first three out of the pen, and then Martin was the only other um, pitcher in game two of the first game of the doubleheader. And you had you had your... <laughs> we won the game with our three trashiest pitchers, arguably. So with Hout gone, you've got two vacancies. Uh, presumably, Cutter Crawford will fill one of them. But, you know, he hasn't pitched well as of late. Uh, he did pitch very well against the Twins in April, who he'll be making his next start against. But from what I've seen from Crawford, I'm not I'm not real comfortable that he's essentially your number four right now. Hauk has no timetable, by the way, and they haven't even ruled out whether or not he needs surgery. So conservatively, I think he misses about a month here. Uh, and then who's your five starter? You, it might be Kluber, as much as I hate to say it. I, I meant to pull his numbers Please, up. Please, no. I meant to pull Please, his no. numbers up before I gave this take, but he hasn't been walking people out of the pen, which was a problem in his last few starts. So I, I'm only throwing Ort into the dud section to basically point out the fact that we have no depth right now. There's no depth in this rotation. And you you essentially, unless Crawford turns it around and starts pitching extremely well again, you've got two vacancies right now. But Terry, when was the last time the Red Sox had started pitching as a position of depth? What year? Because it wasn't this year. It wasn't last year. It wasn't 2021. It wasn't 2020. It definitely wasn't 2020. You have, you, know, to, I, you have to go back to, to the think. World Series year, basically. You do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was led by the two-headed monster of Chris Sale and David Price. And Nasty Nate was your three. And so, Rick Porcello had a decent year. That was his second best year uh, other than the Cy Young. So you, you had him and I forget. We must have had a decent spot starter. But I, I can't remember now because it's, it's five years now. <laughs> I have to look back at it. But it, it's crazy because... Um, Erod. E- oh, Erod. Yes, of course. How did he do, though, in 2020? Uh, he missed the whole year uh, due to the myocarditis. Sorry, uh, 2018, the World Series year. I apologize. That's right. He, he was up and down, but, I mean, he was still a very viable fifth starter. Once we got Evaldi in July, we were pretty solid, I felt. Uh, you know, I, I had, you know, the the month of October was still the boogeyman for David Price. That was a huge concern. Right. Um, but right. Sale was looking like he was going to win the Cy Young. He eventually broke down like he normally did in the final six to eight weeks. And Corey Kluber, of all people, edged him. Man, what I wouldn't have given to have that Corey Kluber. But um, but yeah, and then in the World Series, I, I mentioned this a lot. I feel like too much. But he basically pitched a gem, uh, you know, in game four. Cora left him in there 
to get crushed by Puig and that that's on Cora, but um but man, we had a lot of depth that year. I mean twenty eighteen, Erod was thirteen and five with a three eight two ERA. Really? Yeah, okay. I was invert yeah, I was inverting that year with the year before because I thought he was a I thought he was a bust in twenty eighteen. I really couldn't remember. I think I off Terry. I, I thought that was a year he might have been over five. You know, he, he was always streaky. He was really good for a stretch, and then it, much like Pavetta, really, um, but maybe not quite as extreme. And, you know, and then he his big game numbers, when you needed a big game out of Erod, he was always – he always gave you a chance. And, um, right. and he didn't have a starting spot in the rotation – so you talk about depth. The only reason he made that game for start in the World Series was because you needed a Voldy for six or seven innings in extras. Right. Right. So right. that's depth. <laughs> and we yeah. just haven't had it. We haven't had depth like one through three in the rotation under Bloom. We just haven't because they've all right. been injured or just not good. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, moving right into our next dud. Cody. Yeah, so the dud for me for this series isn't necessarily a person or uh, a specific player, but it kind of piggybacks off the, the point Terror is making with uh, the pitching depth. Um, as Terry also mentioned, you know, it was, it was kind of hard to find duds for this series, right? Uh, everybody seemed, you know, we played pretty complete baseball. Obviously, we had the, the shelling of the Yankees in game one and then knock on wood, fairly comfortable wins for games two and three. But um, the first inning pitching has been kind of a boogeyman for the team all year, and it really showed its face uh, in, in this series. You know, reasons that Pavetta and Kluber are in the bullpen, you could argue, is is that first inning um, nonsense, right? And if we were to look at the first innings for the three games of this series, right, we go down a quick run in the first game, two runs in the second game, and another run in the third game, you know, whether it be getting squeezed for a what should have been a strike three call into a walk and then, you know, a double or a two run home run or whatever it is. Um, It's putting immense pressure on the offense to be able to pick up the pitching staff to, you know, overcome some of these deficits early. And when that offense does lay down and lay flat, like we saw it for a couple of weeks there, uh, you know, those are things that we can't really afford to do. And it just kind of, it makes this team walk a tightrope that I don't know if we necessarily can afford. Uh, So the dud for me for this series was just the first inning pitching, you know, Bayo was able to recover Port as well was able to recover. Um, And, you know, how obviously bounced back and we gave Hulk all the the run support he, he needed, you know, and again, hopefully a a speedy recovery, but um, it is not a trend that I would be uh, very keen to continue to see as a lot of first inning scoring for the opposing team. Terry. Yeah, I mean, I, I've already harped on the depth, so I, I I would essentially be doing it again in this instance. But yeah. hopefully, best case scenario, you know, the, the rotation gets it together. Crawford is solid and and you get you get Hulk back in the earliest possible uh, opportunity and and, right. you know, we hopefully get back to where we were in, in late April. Uh, you know, uh, it's an interesting one, Cody, because we usually pick a player and, and you want to go with uh, a specific inning. So it's a unique take and I, I'm all for it. Um, the Red Sox allowed four runs in the first inning, three in the sixth and one in the eighth. 
out of eight runs in three games. So half of the runs they allowed in the series was just the first inning. Second and third game, no one scored past the first inning. It was all locked down. And um, there's a funny stat that someone, um, actually, I think I saw it on TV uh, a couple years back, that one of the worst, if not the worst, first inning, first batter uh, in baseball, the, the worst pitcher to face, like to start a game, the first batter is you, Darvish. You, Darvish, has like a stupid high ERA against the first batter he faces in every game. It's something about the, it's like the Chuck Knobloch effect, the yips of just the first batter. Um, he just, he just can't get it. And this was just a really unique situation where, you know, in, in the first game, one run comes around second game. The only mistake was a a two run shot. That's it. Like literally that's all the only mistake that happened for the Red Sox. Everybody else was lights out. They had seven innings of relief allowed two hits struck out seven. It was insane. Third game, same situation. One run comes around and then Brian Bale shuts the door. And then you got Winkowski and Jansen, two innings, only one base runner. It was just an incredible, masterful performance in innings two through nine, but just that first inning, just ugly situation. Nothing that I want to spend too much more time on just because we still swept New York, you know? So uh, anything else you just want to add? All right. Well, naturally, I would go with somebody else, but since I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse with my standard dud here, I decided to switch it up and... For no fault of his own, I mean, Pablo Reyes was my dud for this week. Didn't play in game two. Two for four in the first game. Two singles, a couple of RBIs. 0 for three with a pair of strikeouts in game three. Had a ridiculous, just absolutely redonkulous catch at short. And Cody's talking about some some sweet plays earlier. Duran had one. Pablo Reyes had one. And some of these plays, you know, may inflate Bayo's line to make it seem better than it was. But Luck and nice defense, that's a part of the game. And sometimes some plays are going to go your way and some plays are not going to go your way, i.e. Casas throwing a second when he should have just gone to first. It's, it's, it's a mental mistake, and I don't really want to call it a mistake because he's still learning the position at first. And I know that I've said on some occasions, like, he should get sent down to AAA because this isn't working. But I don't want to call it a mistake or an error so much as it's just him learning to field that position. That's it. Pablo Reyes, amazing play, but just a two-for-seven uh, total series, couple RBIs, nothing crazy. Uh, Cody, anything you want to add for Pablo Reyes? Yeah, um, you know, like you mentioned, a decent game offensively. What was it, two for four with a couple of singles and a couple of RBIs in game one? Yeah, two for four, yeah. yep, and then over three in game three. Correct. You can live with a lack of offensive production if the defense is going to be like this, right? You know, he obviously had that great leaping catch, which was, you know, full extension, and then he had another play where he ranged to his left, snagged a grounder, spun and threw a, a dart to Casas at first to, to beat the runner. Um, you can, you know, we've talked a lot about it with with Kike when Kike was playing short, right? You know, it's, okay, the defense isn't great, but he better make up for it with offense. But he wasn't doing either one of them. And if Pablo Reyes is going to continue to play this level of defense at short, <laughs> I can live with 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, and we just keep it moving because both of those plays were incredible. Um Duds were, you know, few and far to to come by, and you know, strikeouts are obviously never great, but um, we'll take it. I guess nothing, nothing further to add. <laughs> Absolutely, Terry. Anything you want to add? Uh, you know, Reyes has never been uh, good against right-handed pitching. I mean, on this season, he's hitting two forty-three with a, a two sixty-three on base, but against lefties. 
he's hitting 409 with a 440. And uh, he's driven in five runs. And it, it just always seems like in a big spot, he's just coming through for the team with just a soft single. But, you know, there's two outs and the runners on second and third come in. It's just he's really helped the team a lot. And I think he's one of those unsung heroes. And the reason for keeping Christian Arroyo was he's got really good numbers against lefties. You know, he's a career 270, 275 hitter. That was before the season. Uh, and so it'll be interesting when Yu Chang comes back to see what they do. Uh, like either Reyes or Arroyo are, are the odd man out. And I, I want Reyes in this team, you know, against lefties. I just think he's going to be very valuable. And uh, I'm, I'm okay with him at shortstop. I'd much rather have Reyes at shortstop than Kike Hernandez. Isn't it crazy that some people probably forgot about Yu Chang? I mean, people are forgetting about some of the other players that we have on this team. Trevor Story is injured. He still, he's not back yet. And people aren't panicking about Trevor Story not being back yet. We haven't talked about Chris Sale once on this show. You know, there are so many other things that we haven't discussed just because we are riding the high, which I'm all for. I want to ride this high for as long as we possibly can. But at one point, it will come down and, you know, reality will settle in when when we're struggling it's it's been unfortunately an issue that we've encountered for a decent part of the year where when we struggle we struggle collectively with both offense and defense and pitching so it's it's either everything is going right at the same time which is what you just saw in this series excellent pitching excellent defense excellent hitting and then you've seen some other series where there's no hitting the pitching isn't great and the defense is lousy so um we just need to continue to put these games together, take series two out of three, three out of four, worst case scenario, split two and two, but we don't want to go 0-3 or 1-2, 1-3 for a three or four game set. So um, that's uh, that's that. A couple dishonorable mentions. Obviously, I got to put Arroyo in there, one for eight with a double. Yes, he did have an extra base hit, which is great. A couple runs scored. Uh, it, It pains me to put Devers in here too. Devers went two for 10, did walk four times, struck out three times, only had one RBI. So this team didn't win because of Rafael Devers. They won in spite of him, for the lack of a better term. But this was a guy who right now, as it currently stands, Rafael Devers is number one in home runs, number one in RBIs, number one in extra base hits. He's got 17 homers, 57 RBIs, and 33 extra base hits. He ranks first in all three in the American League. So while he had a bad series, he's still one of the best players in baseball. Numbers don't lie. People do. And his numbers are not lying. Um, Murphy, if you even want to put him in that section, I don't know how you can allow to hit two and two thirds. I really don't think it's, I'm going to scratch that. I'm not going to put him in there. And then Wong, uh, two for eight, single double, couple runs scored, three RBIs, nothing crazy, but um, you know, he and he and Pablo Reyes could have basically been hand in hand, two for seven, two for eight. Uh, nothing crazy. Uh, Anything else that you just want to add for this segment? Yeah, Cody, go ahead. I think it has been an absolute delight watching Brian Bayo react to his defense, making spectacular plays behind him. Uh, I've noticed this for the past couple of starts. There's always been at least, you know, one to two, if not more um, incredible plays. And they always pan the camera to him. And he is just losing his mind on the mound with just like giddy enjoyment. And it is just so fun to watch like how much enjoyment he's getting out of playing the game. 
Um, obviously, you know, he's pitching well to go with it. So that definitely helps. But um, it's it's something that I begin to look forward to now when I see an incredible play being made on defense. Yeah, I mean, this, he, he's a kid. He's 24 years old. He, he's he's a young guy on this team. And it's really exciting to see the kind of fruits of your labor there. You know, you are really you're working really hard. Umpire was helping a couple times, didn't help a couple other times. And, you know, the ump- umping in this game was pretty, pretty fine, pretty fair. A couple questionable ones, but some calls go your way, some don't. And, you know, to your point, Cody, it's exciting. I'd rather have that kind of mentality. He doesn't show batters up. He doesn't, he doesn't try to, you know, insult the other team while he's on the, on the, other, you know, on the mound. Um, I'm all for his way of doing things. Unlike Marcus Stroman, who's just a complete bum, you know, pumping fists and doing all sorts of that garbage. Terry and I, we, we uh, Terry, you don't like Stroman, right? Tell me you don't like Stroman. Oh, I hate, well, I shouldn't say hate, but he's one of my least favorite players in MLB. Yeah, I can't stand, I can't, I can't stand him. So I'm all for it. Brian Bayo, it just, he's just fun. He's an exciting talent to watch. Absolutely. Uh, and if that's all for tonight, that is going to wrap it for all of us. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you, whether this is your first or 1000th time, everyone have a great night. Take care.